I think I'm on. I, my light's on, so <clears throat> I'll let them fi figure out the sound. Thank you for the uh, pastor appreciation, Michonne and Don and Rich for sharing, and Daniel and Rachel. I want to thank you for that, and and uh, <clears throat> it's an honor to serve here. We are blessed. Julie and I know that we are uh, wonderfully blessed to serve here and to have the friends that we have. And uh, I do really look at our fellowship and at our church like friends. I've always struggled with having like this pastor, parishioner kind of mentality. It's not fit very well in my thinking. But I like the idea of friendship, and we're all in this together, and we're a family, and, and you folks are my family, our family. You are, uh, this, this is our home. This is our, this is our family, and, and our, my biological family has moved away and far away, but I don't feel like I'm missing anything, and that's largely because of what we have together in the Lord and so I really am very grateful for that. And I, obviously, I want to just say, like, I'm up here a lot, and Julie's down there a lot, or up there a lot, but obviously, there's no way that I could be even here today without her faithfulness to me, and her support of me, and her love for me, and her encouragement for me, and, and uh, I just... Love you, Julie, and I really thank God for you and who you are for me. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And at a later time, I want to take an opportunity to share my appreciation for the pastoral staff, really, of this church with uh, Michonne and Daniel and, and Katie and Jessica and Jackie and Isaac and just everyone who's on staff and how we work together. And I, I sometimes I literally sit in the office or walk around or I hear people laughing and talking and conversing. I'm like, why aren't they working? No, I, I'm not. That's not what I'm thinking at all. What I'm thinking is I'm, in, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the, what God has, how he has surrounded us together and raised us up together for such a time as this. And I'm, I'm blessed to have them working with me, and they do so many things better than I would ever do it, and I just am so grateful for their being there. And so I'm just taking a little time just to say thank you. Thank you for supporting this church and supporting this pastoral staff and for your encouragement to me. But I do have a word today that I want to share, and uh, boy, I feel like the Lord has already shown up. And uh, Daniel, he just went, he stole my passage, uh, and, uh, but that's okay, because I really feel like the Lord wants to say something today. Katie was, uh, I don't know if you remember it, I think it was the second song today was the song that we sang, Katie wrote that. God gave that to her uh, several months back, and, uh, and if you remember the words, there was a line in there about he stills the waters, or he calms the seas, or something to that effect, and um, she introduced the song last week and reminded me, uh, you know, I, I started a, a series entitled Finding Your Missing Peace, and I just felt like God had laid this word on my heart in this season that we are at 
that uh, we're living in a tumultuous time. It's a, it's, things are crazy right now. There's, a, there's a, all kinds of storms going on. And so I kind of felt that direction in this season. She felt that it was time to introduce the song. We didn't compare notes at all. And, uh, but see, I, I just believe that that's how the Lord works. I just think that's, uh, come on, don't you think that the Lord works like that? So he's, uh, he set this up, and then Daniel doesn't know what I'm doing today. He doesn't, we don't compare notes. I don't, I don't let him in on what I'm going to say, and he comes up here, and he reads from Mark chapter 4. And so today I want to talk about peace in the storm. We have already talked about peace of mind. Last week we dealt with peace in your relationships and how to maintain those peaceful relationships when things fall apart. But today I want to talk about peace in the storm. And um, so I want to read, if you want to follow along, I'm going to begin on verse 35 in Mark chapter 4. And uh, here's the word of the Lord. It says, on the same day when evening had come, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? So Jesus arose, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? I want to encourage you to keep your Bibles open there because we're going to look at that here in just a moment. Father, I just pray for your grace upon these next few moments, Lord. Lord, I, it's, it's evident, Lord, that you are in this moment and in this hour. And I just pray, God, that you would give me the grace to be able to share the things that you have put in my spirit today. And Holy Spirit, do in each one of us what only you can do, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Well, if you look at verse 37, it said that a great windstorm arose. Other translations call that a gale force wind, a furious or fierce windstorm. Rich shared with you a couple of years ago, we were able to go to Israel and spend a couple of weeks over there. And one of the things that we did, we got on a boat and we went out into the Sea of Galilee. And this is the same sea that Jesus and his disciples were crossing that day when this windstorm came. And the Sea of Galilee is about roughly about seven to eight feet, or eight feet, seven to eight miles wide and about 13 miles long. And it lies at the end of a very long, narrow valley that comes from Mount Hermon north of the Sea of Galilee. It's a narrow valley, which means when the cold winds begin to blow out of the north coming down that valley, it acts like a wind tunnel. And they tell us that as the wind 
picks up momentum coming down that valley and sweeping over that sea, that the high cool air clashes with the lower warm air and sudden and very ferocious windstorms can arise on the Sea of Galilee. Just suddenly, all of a sudden it can happen. And that's what was happening this day when Jesus and his disciples were crossing this sea and going to the other side. This windstorm arose suddenly and it was life-threatening because they were out in the middle of it. And add to that fact that it was nighttime. So the Bible says here that the waves were filling up the vessel and they were beating against the disciples and they were stuck out in the middle of this storm. And if they were to be capsized, being at night, they might be disoriented. They don't know which way is which and wherever they were, it was going to be miles if they could even survive the waves to get to the shore. And so you can see and understand why they were panicked when the wind and the waves, the turbulence was, taking, uh, was, was happening to the disciples out there, what was happening in the physical realm was mirroring what was happening in their own heart. The circumstances around them, the storm around them got on the inside of them. The crisis that they were going through was a crisis that was going on inside their heart. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? When the storm around you, when the things around you seem to be blowing in and threatening your life and threatening your peace and threatening your joy and threatening your confidence in God and the things that are just shaking all around you, that those kinds of things can tend to get in on the inside of us. And this is what was happening to the disciples as they were in the boat that night, and Jesus says, or the Bible said that Jesus commanded peace in the middle of their storm. And I want to tell you something, though he was talking to the wind and he was talking to the waves, really what he was doing was talking to the heart of his disciples. Because they were in the middle of a storm. There was crisis around them, there was problem around them, but their storm was as real in here as it was out here. And so Jesus spoke peace into that storm. And Jesus has given us peace. He has given us His peace. Whatever the sudden violent storm you and I are facing in our lives, Jesus said these words just before He left this world. In John chapter 14, verse 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Look at those words. Listen to what Jesus said. My peace I give to you. I don't take back, I don't take back my peace. I'm transferring my peace to you. Not like the world gives. The world, when, when things are well, we're at peace. When things are tumultuous, we're not at peace. When it's a political year, there's no peace. When it's not a political year, there's peace. You understand what I'm talking about? Jesus said, I don't give peace like the world gives peace. My peace I leave with you. Let not your heart be troubled. Why? Because our hearts can get filled with anxiety when the storm happens on the inside of us and we can lose our peace. But Jesus said, even in the storms of life, you don't have to lose your peace. My peace I give to you. Hallelujah. Come on, can I get a good amen? 
out there. And so this idea of peace that Jesus is talking about, literally the translation of it could be, I give you my rest. I give you my quietness. I give you my tranquility. I give you composure of mind and heart in the chaos. That's the peace he's talking about. It's when you can, you're, it's like you got it held together by the grace of God, even though everything around you would say, why are you so quiet? Why are you so tranquil in your soul? Because of the peace of God. Hallelujah, that's why. And Jesus said, that's the peace that I leave with you. So I want to talk about this today because everybody in this room is either, there are two kinds of people in the world. There are people who have gone through the storm or there are people who are going to go through the storm. And so every one of us in this room can get caught in the sudden squalls of life. And I want to talk about today how to have this unshakable peace of God when you're caught in a storm. And the first thing I want to say to us when we're caught in the storm, number one, we need to remember, we need to always remember that we have a future beyond the storm. I know that the storm says it's over. I know that it feels like and it looks like that when you're caught in a storm, that is beyond your control and it's rocking your world and things don't seem like they used to seem and things aren't functioning like they used to function, you might look at your situation and think to yourself, it's over. My future is over. I don't know if we're going to make it through. I don't know how we're going to make it through this. But I, I want to remind you what Jesus said to his disciples right here in verse 35. He said to them, that day... Let's cross over to the other side. He didn't say, let's get going and we'll just see if we're going to make it. He said, no, here's what we're doing. We're leaving this side and we're going to another side. He didn't, they didn't get stuck out in the middle of the lake and Jesus say, oops, I didn't know what was going to happen. How many of you know that the Lord already knows everything that's going to happen? He already knows every storm that's going to hit your life. He wasn't taken by surprise in the crisis and the chaos of your situation. The Lord hasn't been taken by surprise in the things that are happening in our world. But here's what I want you to know. The Lord says, I'm taking you somewhere. I didn't bring you out here to get you swirled around and sink your ship. I came this way to show you that there's another place I'm taking you. And always, we need to remember this when you're caught in the storm, because when you get caught in the storm, you tend to think it's over. But the Lord says, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans of a hope and a future. And church, we got to get this in our spirit. Amen? we got to get this in our spirit. The Lord is saying to us, I have a destiny for you. I have a plan for you. There is a future beyond what you're going through right now. Now, some of the storms that you and I go through are self-inflicted storms. Come on, church. Come on. Come on now. 
Some of these storms are self-inflicted storms. They're consequential. They arose because of our own tumultuous heart and things that were going on. There was an, we were not at peace in our own spirit and we acted out in ways that we caused a storm to rise up. But I want to tell you something. God has a future beyond that storm. Woo, come on now. Some of the storms are perfecting storms. It's, you know, God doesn't cause the storm, but He allows the storm because the Lord is always looking for a way to stretch your faith and to perfect your heart and to bring you closer to Him. Some of these storms are protecting storms. Sometimes, the, the one time when the disciples uh, and Jesus were on the shore and Jesus was feeding the thousands upon thousands of people and the Bible said that they wanted to take him by force and make him the king of Israel. And you know what Jesus did? He said, oh no, we can't do this. And so he sent his disciples across the lake and he went away into the mountains to pray. And you know, when they got out into the middle of the lake, they had another storm that day, that night. And there was a storm going on. But do you know that it was better for them to be out in that storm than to be on land and to be taken by force? It was God's way of protecting the disciples. Oh, come on, church. There are some storms that God is redirecting your steps because if He left you here, it would be worse than you being out there. And He's doing something. We need to get this in our spirit that we have a future. We have a future beyond the storm. And we need to always remember that God is working all things together for the good to them that love God and are the called according to His purpose. When you're caught in a storm, number one, remember you have a future beyond the storm. Number two, we need to realize you have a friend. You have a friend in the storm. Look here in verse 36. It says, not only did Jesus say in verse 35, cross over to the other side, but it says, then they, when they had left the multitude, they took Jesus along in the boat as he was. And there were other little boats that were with him. They took Jesus along. They took him along. This speaks of the presence of Christ in your storm. Can I just say to you today that peace is not the absence of stress. It is the presence of Jesus. That's peace. It's not that there's no problems. It's that there's presence in the problems. And Jesus was in the boat that day. And I want to tell you, Jesus is in your boat. And whatever storm you're in, Jesus is right there with you. And I know that it doesn't feel like he's in the boat with you. <clears throat> and I know that it feels like sometimes you're all alone, but you're not alone. Just as Jesus was asleep on the ship, Sometimes it seems like God's sleeping on you, but He's not sleeping on you. He's in the boat. He's right there with you. Proverbs 18.24 says that there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I want to tell you, Jesus is that friend. Your mother and your father might forsake you, but the Lord will never forsake you. 
Your closest confidant, your closest friends might forsake you, but Jesus is a friend, and he's always right there with you. He will never leave you. I love that scripture. It says that Jesus sticks closer than a brother. The word sticks means literally to cling or adhere to like glue. This means that no matter what you're going through, you're never without Jesus. Ever. You're stuck with him. Come on, you're stuck with him. He's stuck on you. He's not going to let go. He's adhered to you. Hallelujah. We need to get this in our spirit. Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. I will never leave you, meaning I will never leave you physically. I will never forsake you, meaning I will never forsake you emotionally. Low, everybody say low. Now I know low means behold or look, but I always like to look at it like this. Low in the lowest place you could possibly be, I'm right there. Hallelujah. I know it doesn't mean that, but that's how I interpret it. Even in the lowest place, he sticks to me. Hallelujah. He's with me. The presence of the Lord. I want to tell you something about this friend that you have. He's the prince of peace. He's the ruler of peace. Here's what 2 Thessalonians 3.16 says. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. That's your friend. Your friend, Jesus, is the Lord of peace. That is that he has all peace resides under his rulership. And if he's the Lord of your life, then his peace is right there. His presence, he himself, the Lord is with you. He's with you to give you his peace intimately. It says right here, the Lord himself give you peace. He's not going to send his peace on the wings of an angel. He's going to give it himself to you. He doesn't necessarily need to send another person to impart peace to you. He will do it himself. The Lord himself give you peace. And not only is it intimate peace that he gives, but it's constant peace always and in every way. Bring that scripture back up if you would, Rich. 2 Thessalonians, it says, always, in every way, His peace will be at flow into your life from Him. Hallelujah. Come on, is anybody out there happy? But also this, His peace is supreme. It's not only intimate, it's not only constant, it is the supreme peace. The Lord of peace. The Lord be with you all. You remember that scripture out of Isaiah 9? We quote it every Christmas time. It says in the, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You hear that? Of the increase of his government, of his rulership 
end his peace, there will be no end. Do you know what that scripture says to us? The more I submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ, the more peace I will experience in my life. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. The more I surrender to the Lord of peace and submit my heart and my life to the who's always with me, the more peace I'm going to have in my life. Hallelujah. Come on, that's, a, that's worthy of a good amen out there. So when you're going through a storm, when you're caught in a storm, number one, you, don't ever forget there is a future beyond what you're going through right now. Even if it's self-inflicted like it was for Jonah, there's a future. God's doing something. He may be redirecting you. He may be correcting you. He may be protecting you. But you always have a future. But then we need to realize that we have a friend who is always with us. Jesus is present in the midst of my storm. Number three, we need to rest in the Father's care through the storm. The third thing, when you're, when you're in a storm, you know what you need to do? You need to go get your pillow and go to sleep. That's what Jesus did. Now, when they started out, it wasn't a storm. But he was tired. He was fatigued. He had been teaching and preaching. And the throngs of multitudes were just literally sucking the life right out of him. And he said, I, I want to go to the other side. And while they were crossing, things may have been nice. It may have been pleasant. It may have been calm. And he grabbed his pillow, and he went to sleep. But then the storm arose, and he was still sleeping. He needed, he needed rest, but when the storm rose, he could still sleep because he was at rest. Whew, come on. There was rest in his spirit. And you know where this rest comes from, from Jesus? That he was able in the middle of the storm to rest because he knew who he was. He knew that his life was in the hands of his father. And that there was nothing that he was going through that the father wasn't caring for him. And so when all hell was breaking loose upon him and his disciples. He was at peace. He could sleep. He was at rest. Because he knew that he was in the Father's care. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon you because he trusts in you. The person who is in perfect peace is the person whose mind is stayed upon the fact that God is God and I am not. And there is nothing that I'm going through that is outside of his power or beyond his knowledge. And I'm not trusting in my own self, and I'm not trusting in my own understanding, but I am trusting in the Lord. 
Not leaning to way, the ways I think and the way I process problems. I'm not going to revert back to my old ways. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all my heart. And in the middle of the storm, you can grab your pillow. Spiritually, physically, literally, and sleep. Now, I just want you to know, just in case you have any idea... I'm preaching to myself probably more than anybody else in the room right now. How you like that? I, I'm glad you get to hear the point intended for me. I love that. Rich, would you bring that back up? Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep him in perfect peace. Everybody say perfect peace. Now, <clears throat> when you look at this in the original language... In the construct of the Hebrew language, here's what it, here's what it re- reads. And I'm not, obviously I'm not going to speak Hebrew right now, but I will for just perfect peace, perfect peace. Here's how it reads. You will keep him in shalom, shalom. That's how, that's, that's what, that's how they interpreted perfect peace. Shalom, we all know that shalom means peace, blessing, prosperity, wellness, goodness, wholeness, completeness, fullness. Perfection. That's what shalom means. And they say, shalom, that's God's blessings, God's fullness, God's completeness on your life. And so the translators, when they were looking at this, what are they trying to say? God, shalom, shalom you. Shalom, shalom to the person who trusts in the Lord. Perfect peace. Perfect wholeness, completeness, wellness, soundness. Shalom, shalom. Turn to somebody and say, you, tell, tell them, you got some shalom, shalom coming. Go ahead and tell them that. Shalom means to be perfect, complete, and full. It is to be whole and well in every way. And this describes the relationship that Jesus had with his Father. He had fully entrusted his life to the Father's guiding and providing. And so if, like Jesus, we're going to do this, if we're going to be able to rest in the Father's care while we're in the storm, listen, you can't always, listen, stop trying to run from the storm. Stop trying to escape the storm. If you're going in a storm, there's a place of rest even in the midst of the storm. But like Jesus, we need to rest in our identity and who we are in the Father. That we're His kids. Jesus said of the Father, I and the Father are one. And then He turned around and said, Lord, I pray that they will be one in You and in me as I am in You and You are in me. That they would have that confidence and they would know that You are their Father. That You have them. Rest in your identity like Jesus did. He rested in who He was in the Father. Rest in your dependence upon the Father. Be at rest in depending upon Him. Remember that time that Jesus was praying and He just looked up to heaven before He asked anything. He said, Father, I thank You that You always hear me. And I know You always hear me. Have you ever thought, God's not listening to me? Anybody in the room ever felt like that? Come on. Anybody ever felt like that? I don't think the Lord's listening to my prayers. 
Jesus said, Jesus didn't think like that. Jesus said, I thank you that you always hear me. That's why cast all your care upon the Lord, for you know that He cares for you. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all human comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, you can rest when you know that you are fully dependent upon God. You're you're dependent enough that you're going to pray. You're not going to let the anxiety of the moment get you all twisted up in anxiety. You can rest. Listen, anxiety is not a condition of the heart. It is a choice. People say, well, I I don't know. I've always been a worry ward. I've always been someone to get worried like they have a gene in them called worry. Nobody has been given that gene. This is not a condition of you as a person. This is a choice. Anxiety is a choice. Worry and fear and dread is a choice. And in the middle of the storm, you can grab your pillow and go to sleep, or you can worry about it. Amen. Pray, then grab your pillow. That'd be a good way to do things, right? So when you're caught in a storm, always remember you have a future beyond the storm. God's God's got a plan. He has a plan. Realize you have a friend in the storm. You're not alone. Jesus is right there with you. You know the Prince of Peace. You know him personally. He's Lord. And to the extent that you allow him as your friend to be Lord over your life is the extent of the increase of peace that will just be in constant flow in your life. Number three, rest. Rest in the Father's care while you're going through the storm. Because you just can't always do a U-turn and you don't always want to jump ship. And let me just say this about that. Going through the storm, resting, realizing, remembering, you'll never discover these things if you jump ship. Stay in the boat. Stay with the Lord. Stay with the direction. Amen. And then the final thing that I get out of this passage is we need to rouse our faith to confront the storm. Rouse your faith. What does that word rouse mean? It means to excite your faith, awaken your faith, stir your faith. So the disciples were... Fearful. They were terrorized, right? They were in a storm, and there was a storm in them. And they awoke Jesus. They had to wake Him up. They had to wake Jesus up. And they said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing here? We're dying. We're gonna, this is going to kill us. And the Bible says that Jesus rose up. He didn't even address what they said initially. He just, he just stood up. 
And he rebuked the wind, and he spoke to the sea, and he said, be still, literally, hush, shut up, and stay shut up. That's literally what that word means. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. How many of you want a great calm in your life? He said, and there was a great calm. And then he turned around, after he dealt with the situation, after he took care of business, then he turns around and he says, okay, guys, why are you so afraid? Why? How is it that you have no faith? This awakening and the subsequent work that Jesus performed, I think, is supposed to be an illustration to us how we handle, how we process, how we deal with the storms that arise. Listen, I can't always, I can't always do away with the crisis and the chaos that's going on around me, but I can still the storm in me. And I can take authority here. I may not always be able to solve this and to get this out of the way and steal that, but I can steal what's going on on the inside of me. As I press forward, instead of operating in faith, the disciples were overcome by fear. But I'm I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, these things you see me do, you can do. Come on, these things you see me do, you can do. You watch me still the storm, you can still the storm. You watch me, you watch me in, in, those, in those things that were too big to do by human standards with God, with men, these things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. And that's why he said, have faith in God. Daniel stood up here just a few moments ago and said, it's not about lack of faith, it's about direction of faith. Nailed it. Where are you putting your faith? Putting your faith in your ability to must, you know, just kind of, you know, grit your teeth and be faithful, or you putting your faith in the Lord. Amen. But listen, if we're going to rouse our faith and to confront the storm that's going on, we need to face our fears. Now, there's common sense fears that God gave to all of us, which is good stuff. Common sense fear. It's good to have some of that going on in your life. I don't want to be in the mountains and come across a bear without bear spray. I, if I came across a bear without bear spray, I'm going to be afraid. It's going to be a scary moment. I just hope I'm faster than who I'm with. That's the, that's the only thing that matters at that moment. That's common sense. But listen, sometimes there are There's a fear, and I want to say this, please hear me, a fear that is demonically induced. It could be that there's a literal, actual situation that's kind of scary that we're going through. And we have a choice at that moment. Are we going to stand in faith that I have in the Lord? Or am I going to let the enemy whisper and breathe and torment in my soul fearful thoughts and anxieties to the point where god why don't you get me out of this god don't you care we're i'm dying here that's what the disciples did we we're perishing lord it's over for us demonically inspired the fear that they were feeling 
Demonic fear focuses on the worst. It anticipates the worst. I heard this quote that I want to share with you by Pastor Jimmy Evans, and he said these words, Fear is waiting on the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. I think he nailed it. Fear, when a person is filled with fear, what you're essentially doing is waiting for the worst. We're waiting, you know, it's going to get worse. This is going to happen. This is going to happen. That's, that's, that's demonic. But faith expects God to move. One, one reason we question the loving care of God is that Satan gets us to buy into the lack of God's loving care that he's not going to move. He's not going to do something. 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Because fear, look at those words, because fear involves torment. That's the devil. He torments our minds to get us to, to latch on to fear waiting for the worst to happen rather than trusting in God, having faith in God and believing that God's going to move. But he who fears, he who fears has not been made perfect, and the word perfect means literally mature in love. You haven't, we haven't come to the place of maturity because we're so wrapped up in being afraid that God isn't going to do something. We're waiting on the devil to move, really, in our fear rather than expecting God to move by faith. So, to rouse your faith, to confront the storm, we need to face our fears. But then we also need to fire up our faith. We need to fire it up. Amen. Come on, say fire up for me. We need to fire up our faith. What did Jesus do when they awoke Him? The Bible said He arose and He rebuked the wind and the waves. He rebuked it. And that word rebuke in the original language is the same word that is used when Jesus rebuked dem, uh, demonic spirits that resided in people. Same word. Same exact word. Which shows you that there was a demonic influence that was not just in the, it wasn't just so much that it was in the storm and the wind, but it was going on in the atmosphere around the disciples and he rebuked it. He came out against it. He took authority over it. And listen, when your soul is in upheaval and there's a storm because of what you may be going through right now in your life, when things are stirred up, we need to see it for what it is and rebuke it. Take authority over it. Speak calm into it. Speak hush to it. Amen. Come on, can I get a witness out there? We... We all go through storms. And sometimes, sometimes storms get the better of us and it's because we're so focused on the fearful and fail to understand that we can stand in faith and take authority over these things. We can take authority. We can speak stillness, amen, and calmness. Let's stand together.
I just want to say this in closing. I don't think that God, when we go through a storm, I don't think we need to sit around, did God cause this storm? Here's what you need to understand. If I'm in a storm, God allowed it. If I'm in a storm, God allowed it. But he gave us the peace to navigate it. There's peace to get through it. He's up to something. He's doing it. And you can find that peace in the storm. You can have that peace in the storm. So Father, I just pray for everyone in the room here today. God, that your grace would be upon every one of us. Whatever storms we are facing right now in our life. Whatever we are going through right now in our life. We rebuke the wind and the waves, the, to- the tumult, Lord, the upheaval, the insecurities and the fears that are raging against us. We take authority over it right now, Lord. Jesus, help us to see where you're taking us, that there's something beyond what I'm in right now. God, help us to see with clarity that you are right here with us. Help us to rest, God. Help us to literally, physically, and spiritually rest in you, Lord. And so have peace. This is our prayer today. We love you, Lord. Can you just lift your hands with me one more time? And let's just love Jesus. Just speak words of love to the Lord. Lord, we love you and we honor you like they did on the boat that day when they saw what you did, how you had authority over the wind and the waves. And they were amazed and they feared. And Lord, we, we, we're just in awe of you, God. And we love you, Jesus. And we honor you with our whole lives. And we thank you, Lord, that you're greater than the storms that we go through. You're more powerful than the powers that come against us. And that there is peace in you, Lord. Hallelujah. When we thought it was over, we know now in you, Lord, it's not over. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you for bringing us through. Amen. 